0: How many ready for the word say amen amen look at your neighbor and say I ain't afraid of no stinking rain come on you braved that rainstorm this morning I'm so glad you're here open up your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 9 we're in the middle of a sermon series today called spiritual disciplines last week we had all nations dinner how many enjoyed all the food can I get a what what for that we had over 250 people here. That's a part of our soul-winning summer. So if you missed it, you missed out on over 20 different nations representing their food, had it in both services. It was an awesome service. But you're here today. So look at your neighbor and say, I'm glad you're here. Amen. I'm glad that you're here. You braved that rainstorm. You can take it. And if you can uh, take it, you can make it. Amen. You can make it in life. Let's look to this passage, 1 Corinthians chapter 9. In the Spiritual Discipline Sermon Series, we're on Lesson 5. I'll get into that in just a moment. But if you're joining with us, this has, uh, for the first time, this has been our sermon series all summer long. You can go back online and check out all the other ones. But here we are at 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 24. If you're there, somebody say, I'm there. All right, if not, look up at the board. Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one gets the prize? How many are getting excited about Summer Olympics? Anybody going to start watching it? When does it start, by the way? August, perfect. My family's going to be excited about that. I want to teach my children to compete, to win in life. How many want winners? Now listen, I'm not going to be one of those parents that get mad if my kids lose, I'm being honest with you, as long as they tried, you know what I'm saying? But I believe that we need to compete in such a way as to get the prize. How many like winning? Okay, winning is actually biblical. How many want to win spiritually? All right, our competition, as we've learned before, is not against each other. Our competition is against ourselves and the devil. Against our sinful nature and the devil. Do you not know that in a race all the runners run but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way as to get the prize. Everyone who competes in the games goes into what? Strict training. Do you think the Olympiads right now are going into strict training? Do you think they're taking it serious, man? They're going to be starting in a few weeks, going into that competition where all their life's work is going to be put on display. I guarantee you they are going into strict training even right now, and they have been for years, some of them their whole life. Let me ask you a question. As we've been learning about spiritual disciplines, putting our spirits into strict training, making our body our slave, have you been doing it? Have you been applying the teachings week after week after week? Today we are on Lesson 5 of Spiritual Disciplines. Have you been applying the four spiritual exercises you've already been taught? I hope that you have. Everybody say, I'm trying. Come on. Somebody say, I'm doing. I want to know the doers, right? Some people are trying. Some people are doing. How many of you would give me a good shout and say, I've been doing these things? Okay. 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 I don't want you to lie in church. But one more time, those who have been doing it go, whoop, whoop. Come on, okay. Some are trying, that's okay. We'll take the try, but I want you to get to the do. Keep going. They do it. Some may say they do it. See, they do it. They go into that strict training to get a crown that will not last. But we do it to get a crown that will last forever. So no matter how good you are in these Olympic races, you get a gold medal, a silver, a bronze, whatever, it will not last forever. But the crown of the Christian, the Christian crown on Judgment Day lasts forever. So what you do now for God counts and lasts for eternity. You are not saved by good works, but you are saved unto good works. And you are not saved by works, you're saved by faith, but biblical faith works, doesn't it? Biblical faith puts some motion to what they've been talking about, puts some action to it. And so we're doing this to get a crown that will last forever. Look at verse 26. Therefore, Remember, we've talked about that phrase right there, or that word, rather, therefore. In literary terms, when the author puts a therefore in the middle of a passage, he is now going to summarize everything that he has said. He is telling you why that passage is there for. He's telling you the reason why it's there. Therefore, all of that he's been talking about, looking at races, looking at people going into strict training, looking at winning a crown. Therefore, I, Paul now makes it personal, the author of 1 Corinthians. He says, I do not run like someone aimlessly. I do not fight like a boxer beating the air. No, I strike a blow to my body and make it my slave so that after I have preached." to others I myself may not be what disqualified for the prize do you see the application everybody look at the passage it's our fifth week reading it do you understand this passage Because if you can understand this passage, you will go beyond even what I'm preaching to you right now. Because I can only preach to you so much every week, right? You're only here for a few hours every week, but you're out there for 168 hours. You're living your life every day. You're going to to the job, to your work, to your home, to your community, to your family and friends, right? You're doing life. Do you get this? Look at Paul's point right here. It's very simple. If you don't run in such a way as to get the prize, you will lose. And you will not lose temporarily, you will lose for eternity. You get disqualified in your Christian race. You get a foul called on you, you don't make it in. Jesus said it like this, many will say to me on that day, have we not done all of these good works? And he will reply back to them, I have not known you. You are a worker of iniquity, depart from me. Do you want to hear that on judgment day? Now listen, do I believe in the security of the believer's salvation? Absolutely. I am not insecure that I'm going to lose my salvation like my wife loses her phone every day in our house. And I have to go to the iPhone app and then ping that thing, beep, beep, and it starts binging somewhere. And I know all the women are mad at me for making fun of my wife because, yes, she's pregnant with four kids and doing homeschool, and she's the best woman ever. But I just wish there was a way that she would know where her phone was at. That's all that I ask. And I know it's maybe too much to ask. But uh, it's, just, it's just the way it is around my house. And you know what? I don't think salvation is the same way. I don't think one day you're going to wake up and go, oh, what happened? Where's my salvation? Oh, Jesus doesn't love me anymore. Oh, I'm going to go to hell. No, I believe in the security of the believer. I believe that once you are saved, you can be saved for all of eternity with no doubt in your mind, no, uh, no, uh, no shadow of turning. You can have absolute security in your salvation. Can I hear an amen to that? But I believe you can walk away from your salvation. I believe you can turn your back on God. The Bible is full of examples of those who have done that. Not accidentally, not like losing a phone, where did it go? But no, intentionally, Judas walked away from God. He disqualified himself. He was a believer in Jesus. He did the works of Jesus. He was part of the 72 that were sent out to cast out demons and do all of these wonderful things. And yet, over time, greed disqualified him. And it wasn't just the one sin of greed. It was the sins of greed that hardened his heart in unbelief. Somebody say, show it to me, Pastor. I would love to show you how the heart is hardened and how people are disqualified. Go to Hebrews chapter 3. I did a whole study on Hebrews. You can find it on our website. Look up the word uh, Hebrews or look up the word salvation. I did it in Liberty Baptist Cemetery, I mean seminary, to get my master's degree I did it on the understanding that salvation is secure, but it can be walked away from. Some people believe that you can never lose your salvation. So I don't like the word lose, but I believe you can walk away from your salvation. Now look at it here. These are the warnings of Hebrews. Look at Hebrews chapter 3, verse 7. Paul said, I don't want to be disqualified. Do you think Paul took seriously his disqualification? Like, do you think he understood the rules? Do you think Paul wanted to make and win the race, to make it to the end? Can I hear an amen? Look at Hebrews chapter 3, verse 7. So as the Holy Spirit says, somebody say the Holy Spirit's speaking. Come on, the Holy Spirit's speaking to us today. Right now, somebody say today. Thank you. If you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as you did in the rebellion during the time of testing in the wilderness where your ancestors tested and tried me, though for 40 years they saw what I did. This is why I was angry with that generation. Can God get angry with a generation? If he was angry with the generation in the past, you think he's angry with generations in the present? Come on, somebody. And what makes them angry is sin. Look at it right here. This is why I was angry with that generation. I said, their hearts are always going astray. Put this to the example of Paul. I don't run aimlessly. I don't start a race that's supposed to go this way, and I start going this way and start wondering where I'm going in life. No, if the race is this way, I'm running this way. He, Paul said, I don't beat the air. If I'm fighting an opponent and that dude is right there, I'm throwing my punches here. I'm not throwing my punches up over here. Hello. Hello. This is what makes God angry is when we go astray when we turn our back on him and do things our own way. Are you listening? This is why I was angry with that generation. I said their hearts are always going astray, and they have not known my ways. So I declared on oath in my anger, they shall never enter my rest. This is God's word to those Israelites. They died in the desert. They were taken out of Egypt. They started rebelling against God. They saw God. It wasn't even a question if you believe in God. There is the pillar of fire. There is the cloud by day. Are you listening? They saw the Red Sea. It wasn't a question if they believed in God. It was a question if their heart loved God, if they loved God and were willing to obey God, but they didn't want to. They complained. And then the Bible says, you all will die here. Jesus said, you shall not go into the promised land. Only a few of them made it over. Joshua and Caleb, the rest of them died in the desert. Are you listening? They had to be their children that went over. You shall never enter my rest. That's what he said to them. Now look at verse 12. See to it. Look at the quote is over. The quote ends here. The quote starts at the beginning. You see, the Holy Spirit says, quote, today if you hear his voice, etc." Now look at the end of the quote. Now the application of the author of Hebrews. See to it. Brothers and sisters, no question who is he talking to here. He's not talking to sinners. He's not talking to make believers and fake believers. He is talking to the church, Adolphoi in the Greek. See to it, brothers. See to it, sisters, that none of you, look at your neighbor and say he's talking to you. The Holy Spirit is talking to you. That none of you has a sinful and unbelieving heart that what? That turns away from the living God. Now, people have said, Pastor, it's impossible for someone to lose their salvation. That is not what the Bible says. You can turn away from God. So I don't like the word lose, but let's say you can turn away from God. Somebody may say here, and I've heard the arguments. They've said, well, this is not really a true believer. This is a make-believe believer, and God says now they're going to hell. No, if an unbeliever is already against God, how can they turn away from God? They're already against God. Are you listening to me? A sinner already has an unbelieving heart. How could it be unbelieving again? Are you listening? A sinner already has a hard heart. How could it get harder? The depravity of the unbeliever is the foundational belief of all Christians. See to it that none of you has a sinful. See sinful. Why? Because you've had a pure heart. See to it that none of you has an unbelieving heart. Why? Because you've had a believing heart. See to it that no one turns away from God. Why? Because you've been facing God, been living for the Lord. Can I hear an amen to that? It's tight, but it's right. You can say, Oh my, oh me, or what? Amen. I said you can say oh my, oh me, or you can say amen. 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 This is the word of God. But encourage. Everybody say, but. See, aren't you happy for big old butts in the Bible? There's some encouragement here for you. But encourage one another daily encourage each other daily how should we encourage each other as long as it's called today so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness encourage each other you saved you sanctified you living for jesus you staying out of trouble ask me that every time you see me and i'll never be offended i remember asking a fellow pastor friend of mine when was the last time you looked at pornography and the pastor friend said back to me that's none of your business And I looked at him, and I said, oh, is that recent? You get offended that I ask you that question. Shows your heart right away. I ask my pastors all the time on staff here. We have 10 pastors on staff here. Glory to God. They work hard for Jesus. But I ask them all the time. Pastor Berto's a witness to that. I ask them all the time. You staying out of trouble? You living for Jesus? Keeping your heart pure? Guarding that which has been entrusted to you? Those are my phrases all the time. Why? Because I'm encouraging them. Run your race. You started it with God. You started it well. Now finish it because he who started this in you is faithful to complete it. Don't let your heart get hard. Don't turn towards unbelief. Don't turn towards the things of this world. And so going back to the message, this is land, yep. French means a little something extra. Somebody say land, yep. Because when I said this verse to you today, I felt in my heart that some of y'all don't quite get the disqualification. And I haven't spent a lot of time on that in this sermon series. So technically this is the intro to the intro, baby. We haven't even got moving to the message yet. But i got to stop and let you understand what disqualification means here. Paul took it serious. And so spiritual disciplines is not like you're just choosing whether or not you want a six-pack. You see, when we're talking about spiritual exercises, let's be all honest here. Not many of us have six-packs, but a lot of us may be healthy, right? We have our blood pressure under control. We have our blood sugar under control. Our body weight's under control, but not a lot of six-packs. You can be in shape and not have a six-pack, right? And a shape is a pear, too, right? So some of you got a pear shape, and that's okay. I used to have an apple shape. I was okay. All up here on the top, just skinny little legs. But listen, getting in shape this way its not an option. If you don't do this, you're disqualified. This is the life of a Christian. Jesus said, if you love me, you obey my commands. So this is not just for the elite. You don't decide what commands you keep and what you don't keep. Can I hear an amen? That's our passage. Now, as I said before, we are in lesson five of spiritual disciplines. That means we've gone through four. And so I'm praying with you as we're going through this and applying this with you so that I would grow as well. I don't want to leave. uh, I don't don't want to be in the past and keep looking backwards. I want to keep looking forwards. I want to grow in Christianity. How many want to grow? Amen. So let's talk today about praying and worshiping. These are some of the greatest things we can do as Christians. They display our love for God, and they will truly transform our lives. Look here at the introduction. Praying and worshiping are the foundational activities in the Christian's life that bring God's presence and power. But sadly, most Christians don't know how to properly pray or worship. Nor do most Christians make time on a regular basis to do so. Some Christians have even forgotten or have never been taught that they are actually the temple of the Holy Spirit. And thus they should be in constant communion with the Lord, practicing his presence. Everybody say practice his presence. Thank you. Turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter uh, 3, verse 16. I want you to see that you're a temple of the Holy Spirit. How many got a big old temple? Hey, Amen. <laughs> How many got a five-bedroom house for Jesus right now? Amen. Some of y'all just got a little, little condo for Jesus. Y'all ain't getting that. Your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. So if you got a big body, you got a big temple. That's okay. Y'all tired. Y'all bored in church today? Adam, you want to come preach? This is a tough audience, man. Adam sang good today, didn't he? Let's give it up for Adam in the band. Thank you, guys. Thank you. <laughs> Don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple? And that God's spirit dwells in your midst. If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy that person. For God's temple is sacred. And you together are that temple. What an encouraging scripture today to know that individually we are the dwelling place of God on this earth. That no longer does God look for a building to dwell in permanently. But permanently now he has made his dwelling place in the hearts and souls of his people and then together we are that sacred temple so as Peter said it like this we are the living stones of God and then together we're built up into the living house of God isn't that amazing And so we shouldn't take that for granted. So as today, as we're looking at the spiritual disciplines of prayer and worship, we should really keep this concept in mind that we are practicing the presence of God, that we are having an awareness of God's spirit in our lives. Do not let a fruit, a nut, and a flake, a granola Christian or a pant-wearing yoga practice in person take spirituality away from you. Christians should be the most spiritual people on this planet. When I was talking yesterday to some liberals who were out protesting and doing Black Lives Matter stuff, which I thought was awesome, but you know they're from the liberal slant, you know, uh, supporters of burning all of that. When I went to talk to them, I said, "How can you ground what you're saying? Tell me how you ground that all lives matter." And they even had a sign that said, "Peace unto all men," or "Peace unto peace be unto all men on earth," or something like that. I can't remember, but um, it's the phrase of what the angel said. What did the angel say? Peace. There we go. But they left out goodwill to men. So they said, peace on earth. There you go. That's what they said, peace on earth. They had the biblical phrase. So I asked them, where is the grounding? I would ask the Republicans this. I, I, I wouldn't care. But I just knew that they were from the liberal uh, background because my friend's liberal. We argue all the time in our gym, and they were out in front of the gym. So long story short, I'm talking to them, and I'm asking them, what is the grounding of this? Because if God has not made us in his image and we're animals, then no lives matter. I mean, that's just really simple. No lives matter. We're no different than an ant. We're no different than a dog. No lives matter if there isn't a God. So he's kind of appeasing me. I'm talking to this guy, and he's like, yeah, I do kind of believe in a God. And I'm like, okay, but what God? Because now when we're talking about the kind of God we serve, once again, only certain lives are going to matter. If you're talking about the plethora of Indian gods, you've got to adopt the karmic cycle. And the karmic cycle is going to teach a class and a caste system, which means the way you lived in this life will be determined determine uh, the way you um, are living in this life will determine your next life. So if you're born as a suffering child, that life doesn't matter because that life is suffering from a previous bad thing they did. Are you tracking with me? That's the true karmic cycle. I know I've been to India three times in Nepal. I'm not making this up. Unlike you, I don't listen to Brad Pitt and Oprah Winfrey for spiritual advice. Are you listening? I'm telling you the truth of Eastern religion, Okay. Now, that, that changes things. What God are we talking about? Are we talking about the Muslim God, Allah? He is not the God of the Bible. He is not the God of the Jews. He says he's a father to no one, and he neither begot nor is he begotten. So he is not God the Father, and he does not love all people. He only loves the Muslim, those who submit to his will. You think I'm making it up? I have a book on Islam, and it says the verses from the, the Quran. You can look up. He only loves those who does his will. He's a very temperamental God that only loves people who do good works. See, the gods you serve matters. You don't have a God, no lives matter. You start choosing your tribal gods, your pagan gods, only certain lives are going to matter. There's only one God that says all lives matter. That's the God of the Bible, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. So I was beginning to talk to him about this. And the long story short, he said, well, what are you getting to? What are you getting to? Politics, spirituality, religion. And I looked at him, and here's my point for this. I said, I'm talking about all of that, sir. Spirituality, religion, politics, it all comes under God. It all comes under God. So, my friends, you should not be intimidated by the hyper spiritual people of your your job or whatever. You should be more spiritual. You shouldn't be taken back by all the political activation. You should be more political because you're here to make a kingdom come on this earth as it is in heaven. You should be light in a dark world and salt to a bland earth. Are you listening to me? You should be a city on a hill. And so how do we do that? By might, by fighting, by anger. That is not our method. Our method is to be living representations of Jesus. And Jesus was the example for us being indwelt by the Holy Spirit, led by the Holy Spirit. And without ever raising a sword, he brought down empires. Without ever forcing people to do one thing, he changed lives. Never had to force anyone never had to manipulate his will, and yet he changed nations, changed generations, and he's changed hearts in this life, in this place today in lives, amen? And so I believe it's time that we learn to practice God's presence, because God's presence is everywhere you go. God's presence is on your job. Shouldn't God make you a better janitor if that's what you do nine to five? If you're a teacher, shouldn't Jesus make you a better teacher, right? You should be compassionate. You should be kind, Jesus says, love our enemy, because the people hear me preach like this, and they go, what well, does that mean? We hate the Hindu and the... Mo-? No, I love them. I'm the one that's done three mission trips there. Hello? I love all nations. I love all people. But that doesn't mean we all agree. Hello? If, if, I, if I love my dad, let me just talk about precious relationships. Let me even forget that. I, my children, there's a deeper love for my children than I have for anybody on this planet. Can any parent understand that? Right? When, my, when I was teaching Lucas yesterday, one plus one, and, and I asked him, what is one plus one? And he said, three. No matter how much I love him, it's, it's still wrong. And if I love him, I'm going to tell him the truth. Amen? And so we just got to tell people the truth. We don't force it on them. We don't make them do it. We don't get angry with them. Amen? We love them to the cross. We love them to the presence of God. And we serve them. Hello? We serve our Muslim neighbors. We serve our Indian believers. We, we serve our, our, you know, whatever, the, whatever religion they are. We serve them. We love them. Amen. I just want to clarify that so you don't think I'm just being sassy. Okay, now, how many want to know the definition of spiritual disciplines? Okay, for those who haven't been here, they are the commands and practices a disciple show in their life to grow spiritually because they what? They know God. Showing, growing, and knowing. Or knowing, showing, and growing. Depends how you want to look at it. We've gone over those before. There are 12 spiritual disciplines. Number one, Bible reading. These are just in any order, and some may have a little more or less, depending on what pastor or teacher you're listening to. Family order, Scripture memorization, and soul journaling. You have been taught these. How many have been doing them? How many, let's, let me just get, no, don't lie now. I just want an amen if you've been doing these. How many of you have been regularly reading your Bible? Amen. How many of you have been having your family in order as the Bible teaches? How many of you have been practicing Scripture memorization? How many of you have been writing down things from your heart and soul? Amen. And how many of you are ready to learn to pray and worship? Amen. And then next week we'll talk about discipleship and likeness. Do you think that's important? That's kind of important. Amen. Uh, Christian service, doing all work as unto the Lord. Doing all things as unto the Lord. The best businessman, Christian businessman. The best doctor, Christian doctor. If your Christianity makes what you're doing worse, you're doing Christianity wrong. I'm going to say that again. Nancy, tweet that for me, please. I don't want to forget that. If Christianity makes what you're doing 9 to 5 wrong, you're doing Christianity wrong. Christianity should make better everything you do in this life. Amen? Public evangelism, sharing our faith. Spiritual meditation. There is meditation in the Bible. Psalms talks about it, that the blessed man meditates upon the law of the Lord day and night. Not the crooked chicken, right? Right? but upon the what? The law of the Lord. Financial stewardship. You can do yoga as long as you don't worship their God. Amen. Just to let you know. You can do the exercises. Financial stewardship, Christian fellowship, and church involvement. How many are excited about those? Can I get another amen? Are you glad you came to church this morning? Okay, let's look at praying. I got a lot to go through, so just look at the screen, and then we'll turn to some scriptures as we need to. Here is the command to pray. It's two verses, or two words in one verse. Jesus wept, is the shortest verse because the words Jesus wept are shortest. Jesus wept when you count out the actual letters. but this is number two, the shortest scripture in the Bible. Are you guys with me right here? This is the whole scripture. You can memorize this. How many want to memorize this today? Pray continually. First Thessalonians 5:16 says, what? Pray continually. Now close your eyes and see if you can say in the count of three. One, two, three. You just memorize the Bible, folks, isn't that awesome? Now do it. Now get out and do it. How many want to pray continually? Could the Bible have made it more clear to how often he wants us to pray? Just pray before you eat a meal. Is that what it says? It's good to pray before you eat a meal because why? You are to pray continually. Uh, should you just pray before you go to bed? Lay me down to sleep at night. I pray the Lord my soul. No. But you should pray before you go to bed because you are to pray continually. You should pray in church. Why? Because you are to you are to pray in traffic because you need to pray continually. You should pray on your job because you need to pray, pray continually. Now, does this mean you have to do some elaborate, outspoken prayer? No, I'm going to give you a different kind of definition of prayer if that's what you think is prayer. If you think prayer is speaking in Elizabethan language, O oh, thou greatest God of heaven thou art, you know, that is not the definition of prayer. Here it is, to communicate with God by talking and listening. You can talk with your words, and you can talk with your heart. How many of you are talking to yourself right now? Or at least thinking to yourself. That's a form of communication. How many don't think to (laughs) themselves? I just want to know. Is there anybody here that doesn't think? How many think to themselves? Okay. How many have ever caught yourself verbally talking to yourself? I do it all the time. I don't know if I'm crazy or normal. Let me just see in this congregation if I'm normal. I'm going to go on the side of the majority, so if I'm crazy, you guys will decide. But don't make me look crazy if you all do it. Be honest. How many of you all have ever been thinking to yourself, then you start talking to yourself? Raise your hand. Okay, I ain't crazy. I'm pretty normal. Amen. Good to get that clarified. Now, prayer is not just us talking to God, reciting for our fathers and Hail Mary's. No, because Mary's not God. She shouldn't be talked to in that way anyways, right? So we only talk and pray to God. That is a form of obedience. He's never told us to pray to anybody else but him. I don't want his mother, brother, or best friend. I just want him. Amen? Okay? So we're communicating to God, but how many know you also got to listen? Listen. This is where a lot of people miss it in prayer. They're not listening to what God says. So I ask them, have you prayed about it? And they go, oh, yeah. And I, and I go, well, what did God say? And they go, well, I, I didn't hear anything. And then I ask him, well, do you know how to hear from God? And and I'll be honest with you, a lot of people even in the church, well, well, Pastor, no, I don't even know how to hear from God. And this is where we got to understand that prayer is a two-way communication. God wants to talk to us. He said in his word, my sheep know my voice, and to another voice they will not listen to. And so what we got to understand is that God speaks to us through our heart. He can speak out audibly to our ears, but most of the time he's going to speak to our heart, and that's how we're going to know him, and his voice in our heart is going to sound like our thoughts. It's going to come in the form of our thoughts. God's radio frequency to our heart is through the mind, and so the mind is not going to create a separate voice for God when God starts giving us his mind. We're not going to hear God uh, interrupt our train of thoughts and all of a sudden, hey, I'm God. Hey, you still, you still there? Joe, just want to talk to you for a minute. This is me, God, up here. I, th- that's, that's a form of mental illness in all honesty, and sometimes atheists think that's what we're saying, is that all of a sudden I hear a separate voice in my head I don't hear a separate voice in my head when I say God is speaking to me. I hear God through my mind. God speaks through the soul. The soul is your mind, will, and emotions. God is a disembodied mind. Now, that may blow your mind to think about that, but God is a spirit. God doesn't have to be limited to a physical cantaloupe-sized brain to communicate and have thoughts. God is immaterial, and so his mind is not attached to a brain. Now, when Christ came into flesh, he became the God-man, 100% God and 100% Man, But God's brain is bigger, or God's mind, Jesus' mind rather, is bigger than his earthly brain because his divine soul is from all of eternity. Is everybody tracking with me? So the brain is just a tool of the mind, and God's mind is all-knowing and is everywhere present. And sometimes I think we we get into this intimidation, or or rather we, not intimidation, but we get uh, misinformation, and we start believing the lies of our culture and don't think that God cares. Let me give you an example. Did anybody remember seeing the movie Bruce Almighty? Bruce Almighty. And so he becomes God, which is, of course, sacrilege and idolatry, but for the sake of the example, follow along. So he becomes God, and now he goes to check on his prayer requests, and all of a sudden the prayer requests are coming through the email, and they're coming up so fast. He's like, oh, my gosh, how can I do this? And I think sometimes we feel that way, that in a world of 7 billion people, how is God going to take time to actually hear my heart? How is God going to take time to actually respond to me? But can I just give you something to think about? Imagine God being bigger than the entire universe, that he could hold the entire universe just in his hand like this. If God could hold the entire universe in his hand, just just think of that image for a moment. Couldn't he have the mind to comprehend all that's going on in that universe? If he created it and it's bigger than it, think about this. I don't want to make God out to be an image of man, but I want to use an example of the earth so you can understand. The Apple computer has a hard drive that can comprehend all the information that's going on inside this computer all at once. The ones that made it are greater than the hard drive itself because they had to create that hard drive. Listen to me. If a creator can make something to comprehend everything in this system, doesn't that show us that God as a creator can be greater than the entire universe and all the knowledge that we hold in this world? It is nothing for God to be able to hear what you're saying another example if Facebook can adequately post all of our things at one time because they literally have farms of servers if you don't know what that means that means that that um, Facebook has bought acres of lands they build these warehouse buildings and what we would call towers uh, CPUs they have lined up in there like as if it's like it's a farm they have thousands of them and that's what allows them to process all of our information are you listening but if Facebook can handle 1 billion People communicating one uh, back and forth. Don't you think God can handle it bigger than? I mean, more than that. Does that does that does that help you? I'm trying to help you to understand. You're not insignificant. God knows who you are. He knows how to communicate with you. He's not too busy for you. He's not distracted. Your prayer doesn't get lost. And He also wants to communicate back to you, and He wants to speak to you in the language of your heart. Now there are nine kinds of prayers. How many want to learn about praying? amen let's go to Ephesians chapter 6 verse 18 for the most popular kind the prayer of request Ephesians chapter 6 verse 18 and then you'll see that there are different kinds of prayers in this passage as well Ephesians chapter 6 verse 18 says pray in the on how many occasions all occasions with how many prayers all kinds of prayers and requests With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. Pray also for me that whenever I speak, words may be given me so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel. Everybody say all kinds of prayers. So we are to pray on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. So that's why we have in the Bible multiplicities of prayer, multiple kinds of prayers. You may not have known this. So what I have done in our notes is I've listed them out and given you scripture reference for every one of them so that you can be encouraged. Now, does God care about you even if you don't do it this way or know about this way? Absolutely. But as a mature believer, you want to get better at your prayers, don't you? You want to grow up so you can go up to another level. Amen. How many know gravity works even if you don't understand it? okay prayer works even if you don't understand it but i do want to help you to understand it more amen okay so the prayer or request very simple is us requesting things from god god loves to hear our requests now i've heard had people tell me pastor why should i pray about something when i can do about uh, do something about it you know uh somebody says hey you know pray for me to get a job and an atheist or somebody critical comes along and says well why don't you just get a job kid what's wrong with you well here's the thing why not do both See, God has created us to do both. You know, to, to have a car, did you need Henry Ford or a factory? Hello? You needed what? To have a car, you needed Henry Ford, the inventor, to bring the information, and then you needed a what? A factory to put it together. So how are cards made? With Henry Ford or a factory? Both. With prayer and answers to prayer, does it come from just letting God know you need something or going out and doing something? Both. See, God is in the world through our physical activity, but He's also spiritually moving behind the scenes and doing things that we can never do. See, I understand that I have worked hard as a pastor, and so the result of a church that is growing and moving forward is a part of what I am doing here. But there are things that God has done behind the scenes that I could have never have done, and if I wouldn't have prayed and asked him to do it, we would not be here today. Are you listening? And so, yes, there are things in your life that you will do, and God will bless those efforts. But here's the thing. If you do not pray, there are things you will never see happen because there are things that only will happen through your prayers. Yes, I understand you can get rich without God. Oprah Winfrey doesn't believe in God, and she's rich. But Oprah Winfrey doesn't have the marriage that I have because I've prayed and sought God for my family. Hello? Her instead ain't married, folks. Why are we listening to her on marriage advice? She's not married. And she's not a mother, so why should we go to her for advice? Hello? You see what I'm saying? This is what we need to get real with it here. You see, yes, she went out and did some things in the sand with the, opera, uh, with, with the things God gave her. God gave her sand and ability to make sandcastles, but in the end of the day, the sandcastle goes away. What you're building, if it's for Jesus, will last forever. Remember what Paul said? They do it to get a crown that doesn't last. Empires in this world are nothing but sandcastles. But what we build for Jesus Christ lasts forever. Amen. Okay. The prayer of repentance. How many have ever had to pray that prayer before? Now, let me just, I don't have time to go through all of these scriptures, but let me go to this one because the prayer of repentance is another one that many people get wrong. 2 Corinthians 7.10. 2 Corinthians 7.10. How many think repentance is a good thing? Amen. If I said to you right now, all you have to do is repent for spending all that money, and I'll clear all your credit card debt. All you have to do is just say, I'm sorry, we'll clear it all up. Say you're sorry to, with the, the student bill, and we'll clear it all up. How many of you would repent? Now, now, we know that in one sense it was maybe good of what you were buying or good going to school, but the idea is if repentance could get your debts cleared, that becomes a good thing, doesn't it? So repentance to me is a wonderful thing. Look at what the Bible says. Godly sorrow brings repentance that leads to what? Salvation and leaves no regret, but worldly sorrow brings death. We're not talking about feeling sorry for yourself. We're not just talking about apologizing. We're talking about a genuine heartfelt repentance that returns to the path of righteousness. The word penance there is there after the words R-E. The prefix R-E means to return or go back, and it means to go back to that which you are penitent for, what you are sorrowful for. And so it's not just an apology and a continuation of the same things. Repentance is not a, 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 um, a merry-go-round of Lord, I'm so sorry that I sinned last night by looking at pornography. But you know what? It is kind of cool. And I like to look at it when nobody's around. But Lord, I feel so bad that I looked at it. Lord, now I just want you to forgive me again. Oh my goodness. But I got to look at it because you know what? I need some sexual healing. And I won't feel right unless I do. Oh God, forgive me. Oh, but I wanted to know that is we are not on a rat race or a gerbil wheel of sin. We're not on a merry-go-round of sin. It's a path of righteousness that gets ever and ever brighter as the noonday sun, the Bible says. So we are walking away from sin and towards God. We are turning away from this. If this is sin over here, we are turning away from it and walking towards God. Have I sinned since being a believer? Yes, but I have sinned less once I believe that Jesus made me sin less. Once I believed that Jesus made me holy, I began to live holy. Why? Because I believed who he said I am. And I can do what he said I can do. And his commands are not burdensome. They are a joy to the soul, a light unto my path. Amen. And so we pray a true prayer of repentance, which is, Lord, I am sorrow, a sorrowful penitent for what I have done. And I'm returning, taking action in my mind and body to return to the path of righteousness. Prayer of intercession. We'll just go through some of these now. Prayer of intercession is to intercede for someone else's needs, for someone else's salvation, to pray for them. Do you know that Jesus prayed for you? Do you know that literally Jesus prayed for you? Before you were ever on this earth, Jesus prayed for you. Jesus prayed that your sins would be forgiven. He said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. He was praying for you. He was interceding for you. He also then prayed for you in John 17 when he prayed to the Lord. The real Lord's prayer is John 17. Our Father is our prayer as disciples, but Jesus' prayer, the Lord's prayer is really in John 17 because you hear the heart of the Son and the Father. Jesus says, Lord, I pray for them to be one and as the disciples go out and make new disciples that they will become one and that my glory will be manifested among them i mean that's the heart that he had are you listening to me he prayed for you he prayed for you and i and we should pray for others Uh, the prayer of thanksgiving do you know that when you take time out of your day to thank god for what he has done that is praying you're communicating with him just look at that philippians 4 16 uh 4 6 rather because i think so often we get so consumed by our wants and our needs that we forget to thank god for what he's already done Don't be anxious about anything. You ever freak out about stuff? Freak out about your bills? Freak out about what's going on in the the culture? Don't freak out. Let's use modern English here. Don't freak out. Look at your neighbor and say, don't freak out. But in every situation, in how many situations? In every situation, we are to pray what? Continually, in all occasions, with all prayers. Look, pray in every situation with prayer and petition. With what? Thanksgiving Present your request to God. Right. So what what makes it better with me when my daughters want something, when they come up being thankful for what I've already done for them, when they come up kind and humble? If that works in my heart, I wonder what it does to God's heart. Instead of showing up, God, I don't know where you are. I don't even sense your presence. You've abandoned me. God, help. Now, can God hear a prayer like that? Yes. But I can just assume what God says to the angels. He's like, angels, I'm still right here. I haven't gone anywhere. Why don't they know I'm right next to them? I'm closer than the air they breathe, right? Yes, God can take your freak outs, but God wants you to come in faith, not freaking out. Because the Bible says he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Because to believe in God means that he's a rewarder, that he cares about you. So what, why not, in the midst of your freaking out, you just pull it together just enough to say this, God, I'm thankful that I'm still alive. I'm thankful i got a mind to think right now. I'm thankful that you've taken me through a lot of stuff in the past. And, God, I'm just going to thank you for the cross right now that promised me salvation. Even if I die right now, I know I go to heaven, Jesus. Now, Lord, I need some help right here. What if we started putting thanksgiving before our requests? I think that's what God taught us to do, is it not? And then where's the promise in that? In the peace of God which which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ. Jesus, I'm telling you honestly here today, when you and I are freaking out and we're coming with that, all we're doing is speaking fear into the air. You know, our voice has the power of life and death. You can calm yourself down by speaking words of peace or you can freak yourself out. I'm scared, I'm scared, I'm going to die. Just you saying that and you hearing that just causes a cycle of fear. But I tell you, man, you get into the prayer closet, you start thanking God, you start praising God, you'll start to encourage yourself your words will be a blessing unto your heart you get around other people they start praying for you start thanking God your test will become a testimony and your mess will become a message amen, amen. the prayer of unknown languages how many believe in the baptism of the Holy Spirit We believe in that here with the evidence of speaking in other tongues. And so that means you can pray and ask God to baptize you in the Holy Spirit and speak in other tongues. I wish I could spend so much time right here because this would be fun and exciting. But for the sake of time, I have to continue on. The next kind of prayer is the prayer of faith and declaration. How many have ever heard of this before? Honestly, look at me, please. Have you heard of it? How many? Just wave your hands if you've heard of it. Do you know that not everything is a prayer like mother may I, mother may I, like God may you do this? Do you know that there are times that God wants to hear you pray like you know who he is? Like God wants you to start praying like you declaring the truth. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. You may have your cupboards empty. Everything may be going wrong in your life. The job, you might just got fired. But God wants to hear you declare some things in faith. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down. Sometimes I don't want to do it, but he just helps me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside sometimes. I don't want to go. Oh, yes, I do want to go. Come on. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. Hallelujah. He refreshes my soul. How many have ever prayed this when you've been freaking out before? I'm going to stay on that idea. you going through some trouble. you shaking on the inside. The world's falling apart. But you just like, God is good. He's so good to me. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right path for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil. Oh, I won't be afraid, for you are with me. Your rod and staff, they comfort me. I mean, what was David going through here? We have no idea. But he said, I'm going to start being in faith. I'm going to start declaring the word of God. The prayer of agreement when people get together and say amen that's why when we're preaching here you should say amen because you're in agreement how many are in agreement with the word of God don't agree with me for my sake agree with the word of God and if you have questions we'll help you on that but I mean you're hearing the truth today prayer spiritual warfare how many believe that there's a real devil out there he don't like you he's come to destroy you and your family and I don't know if anybody's seen the movie war room I haven't but I've heard enough about it to say they made a movie about my mom That's about my mom. How many got some praying moms in this place or came from a place where somebody prayed for you? You know, that's what my mom did. My mom prayed for me when I was a sinner and kept warring against the devil saying, you won't have my son. You need to go to battle for your life, for your children's life, for this nation. I could show you stuff from the 50s and 60s that all said we would be where we are right now if we stopped praying and stopped living holy. The reason why we're here right now and everything hasn't crumbled is because for the last hundred years, there's been men and women of God here that have built a foundation. Now, I know this generation wants to tear it apart in the next 30 days, but I believe that we can keep building on it and we need to fight against the devil. Our battle is not against flesh and blood, but against the powers of wickedness in high places. Amen. And the prayer of persistence. Can I end with this? Luke eleven nine. Look at Luke eleven nine. I love what Jesus said here in this parable about the persistent widow. She didn't give up. She kept knocking on the door till she got what she was looking for. And then he gives the example for us in prayer. So I tell you: Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be open to you. For everyone who rec- everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, the door will be open. He gives us examples, like if you ask your father for a a fish, does he give you a snake? If a woman knocks on the door of a king because she's been done wrong and she's a widow, does the king ignore her? Maybe he does for a little bit, but does he eventually get up and do something about it if if she's been knocking on the door? Imagine if one of your friends came asking for bread and they kept knocking on the door and woke you up. Do you finally give them something? He teaches us here the persistence is what's going to pay off. Pray, push, right? What, is, what does pray mean? Pu- no, push. Pray until something happens. P-U-S-H. Pray until something what? Happens. And then I've given you, you know that we have a whole entire 360 devotional. Uh, every day we have a devotional that comes out. Did you know we have 30 days on prayer? And so I've given you the link here to the 30 days on prayer if this one sparks an interest in your heart you could start right now 30 days of prayer for free online i put the link there lord teach us to pray then i go to the next one the lord's prayer and i talk about how to do that okay is everybody seeing that is that cool okay that's just for you everybody look at your neighbor say our pastor's pretty cool be giving away stuff because i love you guys he keeps us a long time but he is pretty cool because now we got the second part of the message y'all ready for worship You ready for worship? Because we got to talk about, what, the seven kinds of worship now. Amen? Y'all ready? And just look around. Look around at your neighbor. They chose this church this morning. They must like it. Amen? And look around at all the young people. I have young people come to this church and like it, and I get old people that get bored. No offense to some old people because you like this church, but I'll hear old people tell me they get bored, and I say, look at all these young people staying here for an hour here and preaching. You know why? Because they know what it means to them. They know what it means. Amen? There are plenty of churches teaching 20 minute messages down the road. I'll invite you to go to them. I'll give you some brochures and pamphlets. Amen. But we're going to teach you the Word of God here. And I hope it's not boring. Is learning about prayer boring? How about worship? Is it boring? No, look at the command to worship here. The command to worship, John 4 23 through 24. Yet a time is coming and has now come when the what kind of worshipers? True worshipers. Are you a fake worshiper or true worshiper? Do you even know the difference? So you got to know. When the true worshipers will worship the Father in what? Spirit and in truth. For they are the kind of worshipers the Spirit seeks. Now all you got to do, you don't have to be a theologian to figure it out, but to know a fake worshiper, just, just switch around spirit and truth, and you know what fake worshipers are. They worship in the flesh and in air. Everything's either based in the spirit or in flesh. So if you are not a true worshiper, instead of worshiping God from your heart and your soul, you're just doing it in the flesh to please man. Like some gospel choir, you know, promoting their music to get put on the TV and all of this, and all the people up, up on the gospel choir living ungodly, or a worship rock band where they're out getting drunk after the worship uh, you know, message, hello. That's in the flesh. I don't care how good it sounds and how it works your emotions. Your flesh will lead you to death. The spirit leads to life. Truth is what comes from God's word. I don't care how good the music is, if it's not preaching the truth of God's word, it's an error and will lead you astray. If you hear people telling you that they they love to worship, but they don't believe in the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, that kind of worship will not lead you to the truth. So you need to know doctrinal truth, and you need to have the Holy Spirit, for they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. Isn't that what the Bible says? For God is what? Look at verse 24. Let's help the preacher so we don't stay another hour. It will go better for you if you help me now, Okay. I know you guys are kind of sleepy and we go rainy this morning when you got up, but can you help me today? I'm still preaching. I'm still sweating and into this message, okay? Verse 24. Let's read together. One, two, three. God is spirit and his worshipers must worship in the spirit and in truth. Amen. How many want to be that kind of a worshiper? Okay? You don't want to be an aimless worshiper. You don't want to be beating the air worship. You don't want your worship to be ineffective or unproductive or in air or in the flesh. So let's look at the definition of worship. It's to love and honor God with your spirit and in biblical truth. That's pretty easy, isn't it? Now, thankfully, the second part will not keep us here that long, but I am going to ask that the band would come up because using instruments is a form of worship, as you'll see, and we're going to do all this together. Can we do some Holy Ghost aerobics? All right, let's all stand up. Come on, stand up. Okay, everybody stretch out. Come on, stretch. There you go. Okay. Okay. Those of you who have been a part of our church for some time, you have learned about the seven kinds of worship. We'll participate in them together, okay? I will be your Richard Simmons for Jesus. Are you ready? Okay. Okay. Worship in surrender. By the way, the seven kinds of worship are found in the Old Testament in the Hebrew. And so you have the Hebrew words here, yada, tehillah, barak, halel. Anybody hear halel before? Hallelujah, Hallel, right? Haha, ha Halel, Todah, Zamar, Shabak. That one just gets you excited to say it, right? Shabak, Shabak, help me,
1: Shabak.
0: <laughs> You're a little soft on that right now. That's okay, because we're going to surrender. Let's worship and surrender. Here's how you can do You can just raise your hands. The Bible says lift up your hands unto the Lord. Our culture uses it as a stick-up. So here's a Holy Ghost stick-up. Put them up and surrender to God right now some things in your life. As a form of worship, you can surrender your burdens right now. You see how powerful worship is? Take time out every day. Lord, I surrender my life. I surrender my burdens. I surrender my pain. I don't want to take it with me anymore. Tell them in your own words or in your heart right now. Come on. Now we're going to Tehillah. We're going to worship with a new song. You know, when we're up here worshiping, most times we're doing karaoke in some way or another, right? Like you're singing along with somebody else's words, somebody else's voice. But the Bible says that you can actually sing a new song. So, what we're going to do, what's the root key? What, what key are we in right here? See, Just play the C then. C. Just a little bit louder because I don't want people to be embarrassed. C. C. Okay, now what we're going to do is we're just going to come up with a melody in our own heart and we're just going to sing it to the Lord right now. What I'm going to do to help you in this so it's not weird and awkward is I'm just going to give you how I would start by just saying I love you, Lord. I love you, Lord. Oh, I love you, Lord. Now, you just come up with a melody or a word or a phrase. You could just say,
1: Jesus. Oh,
0: Jesus. You could say, I love you. Oh, I love you. Now, you know if I'm singing, you can sing. Come on, it don't matter the sound. It just needs to be from your heart. We sing a new song. We sing a new song. Hallelujah. Okay. Now let's do Barak. Let's kneel down. Let's kneel in the presence of the Lord. If you're physically able, go ahead and kneel down. And in this posture, you can do any of By the way, you can merge all these forms of worship together. So now in this posture, you can surrender. You can Yoda. You can Tahila. You can do celebration. You can do request, prayer. You can move back and forth between prayer and worship. So be creative. On your knees, what do you want to do? Do you want to pray? Do you want to sing? What do you want to do? Come on. Jesus, we love you. We worship you. We worship you. We kneel before the God of heaven and earth, our maker. I sing a new song. See, I can pray in an unknown language as well. Praying in an unknown language builds up your most inner man. We do the, We teach on the baptism of the Holy Spirit in our Bible studies, by the way, our discipleship. Paul said, I sing with my mind and I sing with my spirit. Read that in 1 Corinthians 14 some of you think I shouldn't speak in tongues unless there's an interpreter that's only if my message in tongues is for you but if my message in tongues is a prayer unto God I can do it unto him unto him anytime come on Barak. alright now let's stand up worship in celebration I need uh, Lawrence up here can we get Lawrence up here I want us to do that gospel riff. Remember how we practiced it and it got really fast and exciting? Because we're going to get excited. Are you ready? Yes. I don't know if you've convinced these people. Are you ready, Vinny? Yes. All right. Woo! You can celebrate. Come on, clap. Whatever you do, don't just look at me. Hold on. Stop, 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 stop. stop. Whatever you do right now for 30 seconds as we celebrate, Don't just look at me. This is your time to worship. This is not just their time to worship. This is everybody's time to worship.
1: Woo! Come on!
0: Doesn't that get you excited? There was no hype. No hype. That was just excitement for Jesus. See how people get excited? Watch watch how silly we can be about this. We'll call this just hype in the flesh. But yet people will get excited when a dude in tights will take a wooden bat and hit a ball over a fence. And yet we got the God of the universe living on the inside of us. We should be able to get excited. We should be able to jump and shout for the Lord. Amen? Now let's move to number five. Just for the sake of time, but continue the party on your way home in the car. Just don't hurt nobody. Amen? But worship with thanksgiving. Now let's just use our words and just tell God we're thankful. Once again, you can incorporate yada and raise your hands. You can kneel down. You can put it all together. But let's just start to say what we're thankful for. Think of three things you're thankful for. What are you thankful for, brother?
1: My family, uh, wife, kids. Amen. Amen. What are you thankful for, Adam? I'm thankful that God's provided for my job. Provision.
0: Lord, we thank you. Thank you for waking us up this morning. Thank you for the health of my family. Talk to Jesus. We're thankful, Lord. We say thank you. Gracias, Señor. Amen. We've been worshiping with the instruments. The great thing about modern technology is if you don't play an instrument, you've got an iPod or a computer or an iPhone or something to play music on. These instruments were meant to glorify God. They weren't meant to provoke us into sin, right, like dirty dancing and stuff. You can dance. That's okay. But you shouldn't sin with the music. And so we need to be people of God who honor these instruments and honor music for what it was first created for, and that was for worship. So if you don't know how to play, get, you know, some good worship tunes. If you need help finding them, talk to anybody here in the band. They'll tell you where you can get all of the songs we sing at church. And then lastly, worship with shouts of praise, which we had did before, Shabbat. So are you ready on the count of three? We're going to shout. One, two, three. just tell you something before we get back to shouting again. Do you know that they say as we talked about being anxious for nothing all that, that some of the therapists teach a shout therapy because when it's all in your mind and you're just in a a battle with yourself, sometimes just a shout will break the cycle in your mind. And see, God knew this so long ago. The emotional healing that comes when you shout. And so, so often I'll be by myself in the car and things will be getting you know crazy in the church or whatever finances and I'll just say glory to God you are alive in me you are with me Jesus you are with me I am not alone I have you on my side I'm more than a conqueror and I'm telling you something breaks on the inside let's shout again on the count of three. One, two, three. hallelujah we're more than conquerors we are more than conquerors Jesus Jesus
1: glory to the lamb glory to the lamb of
0: god jesus jesus let me give you these practical things in closing now here's what we need to do number one in closing we need to remember to practice the presence of god everywhere we go what are these things that are appropriate on our job well you can meditate in your heart and pray to the lord when you're on your job. You may not be able to shabak on your job, right? Because then you get fired. See, that's what I'm trying to say. You're doing Christianity wrong if it doesn't make your job better. So use wisdom on how to apply these things, but you can do them everywhere as long as you're being sensitive to the presence of the Lord. The second thing is, is make time to be alone with God every day. You know, 30 to 60 minutes, give God what you've been given Facebook. Give God what you've been given your boyfriend or girlfriend. Give God some time to speak to you. Go on a prayer walk with Jesus. Christians talk about a prayer closet because Jesus said, go into your closet and pray. Get alone and pray. Make time to do these things, pray and worship. Number three, include the other disciplines while you're praying and worshiping. Many times I will memorize a scripture, worship it back and pray it back to God at the same time. I'll be singing it and I'll be praying it. You can soul journal. Write down stuff while you're praying and worshiping. Write down songs, you know, that God gives you. Number four, for a helpful method, just if you like exercises, you like structure, which I would say don't be dependent upon them. But in our Disciples That Make Disciples book, we talk about how to use the Lord's prayer, our Father which are in heaven, and then also the stages of the tabernacle as forms of prayer. So like, for example, with our Father, you're going to pray an hour, right? You may not be able to stay focused for an hour. Here's an easy way to do it. There's five steps, six if you include the last part, but let's say there's six, okay? So six steps of the Lord's Prayer. You can pray each one for ten minutes. Our Father, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Uh, Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Take ten minutes and just hallow the name of God. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Take 10 minutes to pray God's will upon your life unto the earth. You get that? Give us our daily bread, you know. Pray for God to bless you, your family, and God to use you for others. Lead us not into or uh, forgive us of our trespasses as we forgive others. Forgive and be forgiven. Number five, lead us not into temptation. Pray that for 10 minutes. Everybody tracking with me? Stay focused for an hour. And then the last 10 minutes, give him praise. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory. Amen? And then there are stages in the tabernacle. We don't have time to get into that. And then lastly, join together with others. Pray with your family. How many think you should pray with your family? How many should pray at church? Amen. We have a prayer meeting in half hour before every service. Come early, youth service, adult service. They always, We always pray. Go to life groups. I have a special link here for the life group that we've started in this new quarter, July, August, and September. It's called the Encounter Prayer Night Life Group. The next one is July 26th, and it's going to be here at the church at 7 p.m. You can come and pray and worship with us. How many think that's pretty awesome? Amen. Look at this closing scripture, James 4.8. Altar workers, would you come, please? Thank you for your patience today, everyone. James 4.8. Come near to God, and he will come near to you. Let's just end with prayer right now and some worship. Father, we thank you for today. We want to come near to you. We want to give you everything in our lives, Lord. If you're here today and you want to surrender some things to God, would you do it right now and just say, Lord, change me, rearrange me? If you need to repent of some things, will you do it now? If you feel like you're going through something and you need God to encourage you, would you ask him for help now? And then if you need some encouragement from others, come see these altar workers at the end. We're going to close in worship today like we always do. And we always end in worship and prayer, don't we? So today, if you need prayer, you can come to one of these at the front or worship with us. But just a few more moments on your own. I want you to do it. Pray, worship right now in your own way, your own words. Before we leave, 30 seconds right now, you and God, we need you, Jesus. We need you, Lord. We need you. We don't want to leave out here the same way we came. We want to be changed. We want to live for you 110% with everything we have. We believe, we believe in you. You are a good God. You are a good God. Yes, Lord. Fifteen more seconds. You and the Lord. It's only awkward if you make it awkward. Otherwise, you can pray your worship with us right now before we go on your own. Jesus, Jesus, we love you, Lord. We love you, Lord. Heal our nation in these times, God, of division and anger. Bring peace to our streets. Bring justice, oh, Lord. Oh, bring reconciliation. Bless this nation again. Bless this nation, Lord. We need you, God. Bless our jobs. Bless our families. Move in a mighty way this week. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, come on, and everybody said, amen. Let's bless him. God bless you. Have a great week. If you need prayer, come on up. Otherwise, we'll see you at Life Groups. You are dismissed. Thank you. In the after party, we're not in a hurry. Feel free to stay. There's still more prayer workers up here. If you have to go and uh, be dismissed, we love you. There's refreshments. But we're going to keep singing because I feel God moving in this place. Don't give your heart in We want to encourage you with this song today. God doesn't give his heart in pieces. He wants all of his heart to be in all of you today. God doesn't hide himself to tease us. If you feel you're going through a season where God's not there, he's only doing that to draw you closer to himself. You don't,
1: don't give yourself in peace. No, you don't.
0: If you're going through a hard time today, know that God is there with you. Keep pushing, pressing in. Pray until
1: something happens.